This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Recent research shows that high schools equipped with metal detectors, security cameras, and drug testing turned out students with lower math scores who are less likely to attend college compared to students with less surveillance. We can definitively say that those schools with less surveillance actually have kids that perform higher in mathematics and have higher odds of going to college. Then, tens of thousands of women in the U.S. die of breast cancer each year. Yet many women in their 30s and 40s have never had a mammogram and don't plan to get one. Interestingly, though, if you look at the age group of 18 to 35, one in five women do plan to start doing their mammograms at age 40. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's Info Track. The show gets underway right after this. Info Track. The weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. A recent study revealed that high schools with strong surveillance, such as metal detectors and security cameras, had students with lower math scores who were less likely to attend college. Here with the story, InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Students at high schools with prominent security measures have lower math scores, are less likely to attend college, and are suspended more compared with students in schools with less surveillance. That's the finding from a Johns Hopkins University study that's now out and published in the Journal of Criminal Justice. Here now with details is Otis Johnson, a Bloomberg Distinguished Professor of Social Policy and STEM Equity at the Johns Hopkins University School of Education. Professor, what did the study find when comparing average test scores and college enrollment between students who'd been suspended and those who haven't? So in this study, our question was really whether schools with prominent surveillance apparatuses and infrastructures related, one, to suspension, also to math test scores and college going, and compared that to schools that had less reliance on surveillance And basically what we found is that, yes, schools with more prominent security features such as metal detectors, surveillance cameras, SROs, dogs sniffing for contraband, and some other characteristics related to lowered mathematics scores and lowered odds of kids going to school when average levels of social disorder and and individual levels of misbehavior were taken into consideration. And even further, you've concluded that students whose behavior is not even perceived as a problem are also suffering adverse effects? Yes, that is correct. We found that once we controlled for individual misbehavior and for suspensions, that the relationship between these prominent security features and student learning outcomes remained. So we concluded then that this is a cost that all students pay within those schools that have really prominent security features. Now, you've been quoted as saying the increased security made the schools feel like prisons. I'm curious, Professor, is that an interpretation or did the students actually use that word? No, the students did not use that word, but it is a claim that we wanted to investigate, to explore. So while they may not be using the exact words of prison, there is some truth, at least this research suggests, that there is some truth to 
a general feeling that relates to lowered levels of performance, again, after controlling for the student's perceived misbehavior. So our next steps, of course, will be to understand better exactly what are the feelings students are having that led to these lowered outcomes. Yes, and to drill down on that, what about the notion that students can learn better in schools that are safe? Are you saying that the safety measures are themselves making the students feel unable to learn? Well, we've heard from students in other ways, you know, within Baltimore, within other school systems with which we partner. And we know that sometimes the same security officers or police officers they see in their school buildings doesn't necessarily make them feel safer. And so in this case, we're adding a little bit of information about, well, beyond safety, should there be additional concerns that we have about security features? So in relation to those schools that had fewer surveillance and security features. So we shouldn't be thinking about this outcome as just a relationship between those schools that rank highest in their use of surveillance and these outcomes. It's actually relative to those schools that are in the lowest third of the distribution of schools in their use of surveillance. So yes, we can definitively say that those schools with less surveillance actually have kids that perform higher in mathematics and have higher odds of going to college. Now, much of the school safety discussion nowadays involves mass shootings at schools, but some of the surveillance measures you just mentioned, like the random contraband sweeps and the drug testing, those don't have any impact on thwarting mass shootings. So do you feel it's important to differentiate between, say, anti-drug measures and those designed to thwart shootings in how these measures affect student achievement? No, I would say that sweeping for contraband can actually include weapons, and it often includes things that school leaders were not anticipating they would find. So a sweep, which is usually pretty general, will find anything that is not permissible on school grounds. So I think that feature definitely relates to whether schools are safe and whether there are weapons there that can cause other people harm. We're visiting with Otis Johnson, a Bloomberg Distinguished Professor of Social Policy and STEM Equity at the Johns Hopkins University School of Education. They're out with a study on the effects of test scores for students who attend high schools with prominent security measures. You conclude that the so-called safety tax that you describe in your literature is highest for black students of both genders. Why is that? Do we know? Yes. Our first question really related to the distribution of student groups within these schools that either have really prominent surveillance infrastructures versus those that have less prominent infrastructures. And we found that black students were four times more likely to be in these schools with the higher level of surveillance than in the lowest level or in schools that ranked in the lowest level of surveillance. So once we calculate this cost that students pay in terms of their learning and their college going rates, it seems as though African-Americans would have a disproportionate burden from those surveillance measures. And do you believe your study's findings should affect school districts' decisions on whether to increase security after mass shootings at schools? 
Definitely. And not just schools. We're thinking that this is of policy relevance, even at the federal level with the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act legislation, which is providing lots of funds for those districts to adopt measures that will make their schools safer. We're hoping that some of those measures will go toward mental health services to make sure those children feel like they belong and a strong sense of attachment and belongingness to the community, which would make them less likely to be offenders. And then also we understand that some measure of surveillance is needed. We're not saying that schools should not have surveillance, but we are suggesting schools implement surveillance mechanisms with an eye toward equity, given that we see there's a racial disparity that definitely is pretty large when you're talking about four to one. And we also think that those measures should be implemented in a way along with other programs such as trauma-informed practices or restorative justice practices that we think are beneficial and increase students' feeling of attachment and care and belongingness and love in school. And Professor, we do have a lot of parents listening to this program who want to keep their kids safe from shootings and any other problems. So are the kinds of things you were just discussing a minute ago, such as the mental health spending and some of the other items that you were discussing just a moment ago, would they be sufficient to do that job to really keep students safe from shootings? Well, data suggests that Yes, we have had an increase over the last seven years in rates of injury and death related to gun violence in schools. So yes, the problem is not getting better. However, we haven't provided the type of mental health services to the level that this new legislation will in the past. And so I'm hopeful that those dollars will be spent to provide the care and the intervention that is needed to reduce those rates. Hopefully, we won't see those numbers increasing in the near future. And then second, I want to make a distinction between external threats and internal threats. I do believe a lot of the funds that's in the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act that's aligned with mental health services will help reduce those internal threats. The external threats, however, are going to have to be reduced through a comprehensive gun control policy. Schools cannot protect themselves from larger contexts or environments in which guns are more likely to get into the hands of people who should not have them. Otis Johnson, professor at the Johns Hopkins University School of Education. I want to thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, why some women avoid breast cancer screening. That story, coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this. 